If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 167 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the 18th day of December of the year 2022. And speaking of 2022, by the way, Today is the final episode of Yapping Yankees in the year 2022, guys. I've been saying it all month long. I was supposed to take off last week, but then, of course, that could not be done in light of Judge signing. Otherwise, what kind of Yankee fan would I be? So, coming back at you with another episode here today, but then the next two weeks for sure, I will be taking off next Sunday and the following Sunday after that. Because, well, next Sunday is Christmas Day. And then the Sunday after that is New Year's Day. So a couple of the biggest holidays of the year. I'll be taking those days to take a breather. And then on January 8th and going forward, I'll go back to my bi-weekly schedule up until spring training. And then we'll have a whole other season of coverage ahead of us, guys. But for now, my God, we thought it was over last week when talking about the big news of Judge re-signing his big nine-year, $360 million deal. Well, we're coming into this week with even more big news. <laughs> no breaks. No breaks at all. Because just a few days ago, another big deal was announced for the Yankees in another thing that they were going for. They had their eyes on him for some time. We were hearing for weeks on end, both before and especially after Judge re-signing, that he was another target for the Yankees. The man's name is Carlos Rodon. You've heard me talk about him and speculate about him a lot and how much I wanted him to be here. Much of the Yankee community wanted him to be here, and it was constantly discussed what the likelihood of him was with coming here and what he would mean to the team, how he would contribute, and all the positives that would come with him coming here. Well, we no longer have to speculate anymore because, guys, Carlos Rodon, as of this past week, is a New York Yankee. Six years, $162 million, which in the grand scheme of things, guys, especially in, in contrast to what we were hearing with all the other possibilities of the other contracts that he and his camp were looking for, for him to sign. I mean, the six years, 162, I will take it. I will definitely take it. Because between what we were hearing with the Yankees, it really seemed like they were sticking with five years. Not too clear on the money with that, but maybe around like one, I don't know, 140, 150, something like that, give or take 30 million a year. And then it sounded like Carlos and his camp were looking for seven years in or around the area of 200-plus, which, honestly, I'm not so sure Carlos Rodon has worked that, especially because of the injury issues he's experienced in the past. Not taking anything away from him, I've spent the last bunch of weeks and even more time before that talking about how terrific of a pitcher I think he is, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it or try to 
make it seem like I feel differently about him. I still feel that way about him. But because of certain things in the past, such as injuries, that does bring down price a little bit, inevitably. And while I do feel that he deserved to get paid, and he did, seven years, 200 seemed like a bit of a commitment and a bit of an overpay. It could have even been over 200 based on what it sounded like he and his camp were looking for. But ultimately, the Yankees got him to settle somewhere in the middle of where they were both sitting at. Yankees were probably sitting around five years, anywhere from 140 to 155, to imagine. And he was looking for around seven years and 200 plus. Well, they settled at six and 162. So ultimately, I think this was a really good deal for the Yankees. I think it's a fine deal for Carlos and his camp as well. And the Yankees were patient. And I have to give them credit for this too. Because I don't think anybody was offering him what he and his camp were looking for. And... I think he really did want to be here. I think he was really fascinated by coming to the Yankees. I think all the Yankees and their fans really thought that he would be a good fit here. And I think the Yankees were being smart about it. They didn't want to overpay, which is a good decision on their part. And I think they also knew to a certain degree that he wasn't going to get paid the seven years, 200 plus million that he and his camp were looking for from any other team as well. So I think they were patient. They waited back, in a sense waited for his market to dry up a little bit, possibly, based on what he was looking for, and amidst negotiations, they were able to settle somewhere in the middle, and figure out a six-year, $162 million contract, and settle on it. So with that being said, Carlos is a Yankee, I couldn't be happier with the contract, I couldn't be happier with the man himself being on the Yankees. Now, what does this mean for the Yankees? Well... This does mean that, in a sense, especially with pitching, they're even better than they were in 2022. Now, I know that people are quick to mention, and they're not wrong. So if you're one saying this, I'm not disagreeing with you. But people are quick to say, especially with the offense, nothing is different from this team last year. Because right now... You still have Donaldson set to be at third base, shortstop still a bit up in the air, you don't have a left fielder, and basically everything else is more or less the same. You're probably going to have Trevino behind the plate at catcher, Rizzo's set to be at first, for now Glaber's still at second, DJ's up in the air because of his foot and toe problems, and there's still that log jam in the infield even with all of that. In right field, you're still going to have Judge, and when it comes to Rizzo and Judge, thank God they're back, yes, but in the same breath, it is the same as last year, and that's true. And then you got Bader out in center field. So a lot of the problems that were there last year that resulted in the Yankees getting embarrassed in the ALCS, especially from an offensive standpoint, are still there. Yes. But especially from a pitching perspective, this team is now better. What does Carlos Rodon bring to the team? Well, he brings another elite arm to the rotation, settling in right alongside Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez, probably right in the middle of them. He brings balance to the rotation, being another lefty. Lefties being now him and Cortez, and righties being Garrett, Luis Severino, who's now number four, believe it or not, probably in the Yankee rotation. Luis Severino, with his stuff, number four. (laughs) Crazy. And then Frankie Montes, if he's still to stick around, which I believe he will, he is probably set to be number five, which is also crazy in itself, because... This is a guy, although, yes, he had his difficulties with the Yankees in the second half after being brought over after the trade deadline. No doubt about it. But after coming over at the trade deadline, he certainly had his problems. But you still look at the fact that in Oakland, he was still ace material. And you're looking at him being a five in this Yankee rotation. So a bunch of benefits with that. You got another elite arm. He also brings balance to the rotation, now adding another lefty. 
He himself has a ton of talent. Pitched a lot of innings last year, around 180, I believe, and struck out about 240 guys. Low ERA the last couple of years. He is a two-time All-Star. Just came off of two very nice pitching seasons with the San Francisco Giants. So he himself, his skill, the balance he brings, an elite arm, hard-thrown left-handed pitcher with a devastating slider, just a great arsenal. But also another thing he helps out, and this is something that also any other elite starter inevitably helps out on any given team, is it also helps the bullpen. Now, a lot of people have said that they wish the Yankees would add another bullpen arm, and that's valid. They added Tommy Canely. If that works out nicely, then that's really good. I believe Tommy Canely's really motivated. He even said he has unfinished business here. I'm amped that he's back. I'm very happy about it. And you got to also remember, on top of all the great arms you had last year, even though they were... They were starting to lessen towards the end there, especially because of injuries. You were missing guys like Marinaccio and Michael King. These are guys you're getting back next year. So add those two guys back. You got Canely back in the mix. And then you had the good arms that were already back there that you were relying on towards the end there. Your bullpen's still looking pretty solid. But the addition of Rodon also inevitably helps the bullpen a little bit because you got another elite starter there that'll probably help to eat innings and make sure the bullpen doesn't have to eat as many and not have to tax the arms out there as much. Again, that's the case with just about any elite arm. They will inevitably help the bullpen out. So now you got a 1 through 5 of Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, and Frankie Montas. So if there are no more changes for the rest of the offseason with the starting rotation, you have to imagine that that's going to be the official rotation, which is insane. That's a really good rotation. I'm not sure I would say it's the best in baseball, but I would definitely say it's one of the best in baseball. Absolutely. Because there are some other really good rotations out there. The Astros have a really good rotation. The Mets, even though, yes, they're very old at the top of that rotation, but especially after bringing in Senga, even though he's not proven in baseball, I know in Major League Baseball at least, in Japan baseball he is, but They're still looking pretty good at the top there, especially with Verlander and Scherzer, despite their age. There are other really good rotations out there, no doubt about it. But if you're denying that the Yankees now have a top rotation in baseball, then I just think you're an irrational Yankee hater because it's legitimately true. It's factually and statistically true, on paper at least. You should always say that, on paper, because we all know that No matter how good of a roster a team builds up, and I've said this time and again, but no matter how good of a roster any given team may build up in aspirations of winning a title for the upcoming season, you know, most of the team could get hurt and just debunk all of it. And it's all for naught. I mean, that could happen. So on paper, this is one of the best rotations in baseball. Some are saying the best. I'm a little hesitant to say that because, again, there are other good rotations throughout the game, but absolutely one of the best. I mean, that shouldn't even be up for discussion. The addition of Rodon is fantastic. And he's got the mindset and the attitude for New York, too. He's very loudmouthed, but he has the stuff to back it up. And, you know, when you don't have the stuff to back up your big mouth, then you're Josh Donaldson pretty much. So it's actually good to have somebody on the team who is very vocal and not afraid to share his opinions or be really tough, but also has what it takes to back up that talk. So hopefully the injury problems of his past do not come back to haunt. I'm remaining confident that they don't because he's coming off of a very nice season and a nice 2021 as well. 
even though he didn't pitch as many innings or appear in as many games in 2021 as he did in 2022. But, listen, I'm a Rodon fan. He's here for the long run. I think it's safe to say. No trade clause, six years, 162. He's here to stay for a while. So, I like the contract. I love the Yankees picking him up. I think it's a solid move. I think it's what needed to happen. A lot of people, again, will be quick to say, well... Offense is really where they needed to improve because ultimately that was their downfall. You are not incorrect. But the fact of the matter is, is that you can never have too much pitching and having elite pitching definitely helps you in carrying you to the promised land for sure. I mean, yeah, lousy offense. You don't score. You're not going to win. But pitching helps you that much more, especially with the addition of an arm like this. And also he provides insurance to the rotation. What happens if Luis Severino gets hurt again? Because yes, the Yankees exercised his option and he's going to be back this year, but he's had many injury problems for the last bunch of years now. We know this. Now, if Severino happens to pitch the season healthy, or at least a chunk of it, because I imagine they're not going to let him pitch 200 innings because he hasn't done anything close to that in years. But the fact of the matter is, if Luis Severino does happen to get hurt again, You're not going to have a rotation crisis, at least if it's just him, and have to worry about Schmidt and or Herman, guys like that, having to step into the rotation. You have Carlos Rodon there to help out. And that one, two, and three at the top is still devastating. And in the meantime, if you need either of them to step in for the time being, then you have Schmidt or Herman step in if need be. But if they're still around come the season... With this rotation now, you could have one of or both of them step in to be really good long relief roles in that bullpen instead of having to worry about how they'll do at the bottom end of that rotation and having to worry about that. So again, Carlos Rodon being here just means a lot of good things as far as the pitching. A lot of positives here. The only negative I would think about is the fact of worrying about how an injury could come back to haunt him again this year, as it has in the past. But that hasn't happened yet. Worry about that when we get to it, because right now it's just a matter of what this means for the Yankees, what type of a contract it is, and if it's good or not. And all of that on paper, it's great. And what he means for the team is great. The contract is great. So, in my opinion, I am in full support of this move. I'm not going to pretend like I have much of any issues with it, especially with how highly I've spoken of him for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks now. Everybody has. Big move for the Yankees. I couldn't be happier. I guess that is the best version of a monologue that I can go on with how I feel about the Yankees signing him. (laughs) So... I'm absolutely thrilled about that. The news came out this past week, of course, and I have been waiting to get on this microphone all week to talk about this and get my thoughts out about it. I have been so excited. I'm so thrilled. But, like I've also been saying, I've been saying it for a while now, the job is not done, guys. The job's not done. Because we've all had our off-season wish list for the Yankees. And bring Judge back, bring a guy like Rizzo back, and signing someone like Rodon. I think it's safe to say that those three things were on all of ours, or at least most of our, wish lists for this offseason for the Yankees. But there were other things as well. Potentially offloading what you can as far as Hicks and or Donaldson. Both of them probably isn't happening. Is there a chance that we could see Donaldson at third base next year in 2023? Unfortunately, yes, there is a chance. We don't know what they have in store. 
if they got some sort of big trade cooking up. We've heard for weeks now, and I even mentioned this last week, that the Yankees are apparently working on something big. Something big's going on, even beyond Rodon. Well, Rodon's over with now. So if they are, in fact, cooking up something big like they've made it sound like is happening for weeks now, then they're probably full in on it now, especially with Rodon being over with and Judge is over with as well. So they can really focus in on whatever this thing is that they reportedly seem to be working on, according to some people. So could it be for a signing for a left fielder, a trade for a left fielder? Who the hell knows? When it comes to other things they need to work on, though, left field certainly is one of them, guys. Left field, figuring out the left side of the infield. Those are the two major things that remain for me now after everything else on the list, basically, with the exception of offloading some money from either Hicks and or Donaldson, everything else has basically been checked off at this point, which is awesome. But the job is not done. I would say at least two of the next three things that I mention have to get done for me to give this offseason a clean A or an A+. I would really like for them to figure out a solid left fielder. That's one. Left side of the infield needs to be figured out. Who's playing shortstop? Who's playing third? What's the deal with the infield logjam that still exists with guys like Glaber being here and Peraza could get a shot. Oswaldo Cabrera's around. DJ's up in the air. Donaldson's still here. IKF was re-signed. There's a major infield logjam here. And you're also expecting someone like Anthony Volpe to be called up at some point. He's another infielder. That's another one to add to the logjam. So what's going on here? Got to figure that out, particularly with the left side of the infield. But second base, too. I've said that the only position that's really set in stone in the infield for sure is first base, (laughs) with Rizzo being back. Second base is probably the next most secure thing, especially with Glaber still around. And, of course, if DJ's healthy, then he can play there, too. He could also play at third. But then shortstop and third base... Because we don't know 100% what's going to happen with Donaldson yet. I doubt that they get rid of him or that they could offload much of anything because nobody wants him, and understandably so. The Yankees were still, nearly a whole year later, still remarkably stupid for ever taking him on. Said it from day one, and I'm saying it now almost a year later. Because it's remained true. So, what are you going to do here? Who's playing third base for sure? Who's playing shortstop? What's going on with second base? What's going on with the logjam? In left field, they don't have a left fielder right now. Not at least a definitive one. I've heard a lot of people lately saying that, you know what, especially in light of people continuing to fly off the board, whether it be for the infield or for left field, as options continue to go, I wouldn't really mind Oswaldo Cabrera being in left field again like he was for a chunk of the second half of last season. And while I wish I could say I'm okay with that, especially because you know, or at least most of you know who have been listening to me for a while maybe, that I am a big Oswaldo Cabrera fan because I am. I love the kid. I am now past the time of being okay with putting guys, especially younger kids like Oswaldo, I am past the point in time of being okay with putting guys in positions That are not their primary positions. I'm tired of it. The Yankees have done it far too much for the last few years with a number of guys. And it has gotten them precisely nowhere. And usually when they get to the playoffs and they play some of the top talent in Major League Baseball, it's usually when those things end up getting exposed. And you saw the same thing happen with Oswaldo Cabrera towards the end here. A lot of silly mistakes being made out there when it mattered and it started to fizzle out there at the end. And people were calling it out. And while I do give him his credit, 
I did at the time, and I still do. I give him credit for doing as good of a job as he did for a long time out there, especially given the fact that those were basically his first times out there in right field, in left field. He'd never done that before. He's primarily an infielder. So I give him all the credit in the world for the good job that he did out there for a while. Then it started to fall off, understandably so, because he's an infielder. So I want him in the infield. I know there's already enough of a logjam there to begin with. We've spoken about it. But I'm tired of playing guys out of their primary positions. The guy belongs at second, short, or third. That's where he belongs. He belongs in the infield, especially the middle infield, if you could find a place for him there. I'm done with playing guys out of their natural positions. I want a left fielder who could play the outfield and who has played the outfield and is a proven commodity in the outfield. That's who I want for an outfielder. Is that too much to ask? I think not. (laughs) So I love Oswaldo. I appreciate and acknowledge him for all the good work that he did out in the outfield for a long time, especially given the fact that he had pretty much never played out there before, especially at the professional level, of course, before being called up, obviously. But I want an outfielder who is an outfielder first. That's who I want. And the options for these things, especially in the infield too, they continue to fly off the board, which leads me into my next subject. Because... Why don't we start with the outfield itself? I mean, there were a bunch of options before that we've spoken about for weeks now. A lot of them have flown off the board. Another one did today. There's another name that people were throwing around in Michael Brantley. Obviously heading into his late 30s in the next couple of years, he's starting to slow down a bit. Still having good seasons, but he's also had his injury problems, slowing down a little bit speed-wise. And... When you think about left field in Yankee Stadium, a lot of people, when talking about him, were talking about how much of a challenge it might be for Brantley to play left field at Yankee Stadium because left field at Yankee Stadium is actually pretty big. Contrary to what people tell you about Yankee Stadium being a Little League park, they say that because that's the easy thing to say. If you look at all the hitting charts and everything with Yankee Stadium, and I've said this so many times, I'm a broken record with this, but I feel the need to keep saying this to educate the uneducated out there. Because if you look at all the... Hitter-friendly ballparks, if you look at that big list of all the parks in baseball, Yankee Stadium's somewhere in the middle. It's not near the most hitter-friendly. They have the short porch in right field. Sure, they do. Right field is easier. But unless you're hitting anywhere else, anywhere else in the ballpark, basically, I mean, you look at right center field and center field, especially left center, I mean, those are deep, guys. People don't look at that. And left field overall is fairly deep unless you're talking about right down the line. It's 318. But as you start to move out, it quickly gets pretty steep, and there's a lot of real estate to cover. People won't tell you that. And with Michael Brantley aging, that was a concern for a lot of people. If you have concerns about Michael Brantley, even though I don't really about his bat, I think his bat is still looking pretty good. But I understand that he is aging. He's slowing down in other ways. If those concerns are there for you, then you don't have to be concerned anymore. Because just today... A couple hours before I turned on this microphone to record this show, it was announced that he re-signed with Houston for another year for $12 million. So Michael Brantley, another outfield option off the board. And when it comes to other outfield options, there are still a couple of names out there, but it's hard to ignore the fact that both with the outfield and infield, 
at this point in time, the Yankees are starting to run out of names a little bit. I mean, as far as other outfield names that are available, before we go back to the infield and talk about that a little bit, because again, those are the two main things, a lot of people have mentioned Michael Conforto. So that's an interesting name, because Michael Conforto, like a lot of the other outfield options we've spoken about, is a left-handed hitter, and we all remember him from his days with the Mets, of course. It's the only team he's ever been on since 2015 when they made it to the World Series that year. He was a big part of that, especially come later on and in the playoffs, but he's had his good years. He has. 2017 was a solid year. 2018 was a good year. 28 home runs, 82 RBIs, lower batting average, but a lot of his hitting stats, really solid. 2019, really good year. 33 home runs, 92 RBIs, 257 average, 363 on base, 494 slugging, 856 OPS. Really good season. And you can go down the list of the offensive stats there too. 2020, in the weird season, was probably his best season. 322 average, 9 home runs, 31 RBIs just in that little span of time in 54 games. 322 average, 412 on base, 515 slugging, and 927 OPS. Lots of people don't take that season seriously. It's whatever. 2021, he missed quite a bit of time, played 125 games. And it was a bit of a step down, especially in the prior seasons, statistically, didn't have a great year. And then 2022, he did not play the season, particularly because of shoulder surgery that he had ending his season. So, he's coming off of a season where he didn't play. Last time he played was 2021, and 2021 was, in comparison to the other seasons, his prior seasons, was a step down. So, where do you stand with him? Solid fielder. Hasn't played in a while, and he's coming off of a surgery. Hasn't played since 2021. I'd be cool with him, I guess. I mean, I'd be a little uneasy because he hasn't played in a while. Um, You never know how long it might take him to get back into the swing of things. Pun intended. But it's... I don't know. it's, it's It's a risk. It is. But if you get him for good money, I'd be willing to give him a shot. But I'm also kind of tired of vital positions for the Yankees being filled by guys trying to find their way again and not somebody who could just smoothly step into the role. I know not everything can be done perfectly, I know. But I'd rather somebody else in there who, you know, played last year, had themselves a decent season, is a well-respected outfielder, and that you don't have to have much doubt about. Like, I, I, I don't know. So that's why I'm hesitant with Conforto a little bit, but Conforto's put himself... Uh, he's put a nice career together for himself. And when he's on, he's on, man. Lefty hitter would bring balance to the lineup. Does have flashes of power. He has had a season where he's hit third, over 30 home runs. And in 2017 and 2018, he had 27 and 28 of them, respectively. So, he can have power. He can put the bat on the ball. Respectable fielder, yeah. But there is a risk there. Hasn't played in a while. How would he be coming back? Age is a bit on his side still because he is only 29 going on 30. So he's he's not old. So that's good. So it would have to be for really not for a lot of money. It would just be for a tryout. See how it goes. Um, but I don't know. I'm just I'm a little uncomfortable with it because of that. So people are mentioning him. 
So it, de- it depends what happens if they were to bring him in, what the contract would be and how they feel he is from a health perspective and just after evaluating him, how they feel. So got to wait and see. People are also continuing to mention Ian Happ. He's been spoken about for a couple of years now when it comes to the Yankees. We've spoken about him a ton on here. And while I would love him, we've spoken about him a ton. Great versatility in the outfield, solid hitter, switch hitter too. But I just, I don't see the Cubs wanting to trade him right now, though. I mean, it's pretty obvious. They seem to be trying to build up in light of signing Dansby Swanson to the deal they just signed him to, which we'll get to in a second when talking about the infield. That's another big piece of news from this past week. Dansby Swanson off the board for the infield. So, I don't know if they'd be looking to trade for Ian Happ right now, and the package for him would probably be ridiculous. And speaking of ridiculous packages, there's also Brian Reynolds' trade talk, obviously, still going on, which... I mean, we've spoken about that forever, too, but even more so this offseason. That's been a conversation going back to the trade deadline and even last year to a certain degree. But they're asking price for him, the Pirates meaning. They're asking price for him in a trade is reportedly, as expected, uh, pretty freaking unreasonable. So, (laughs) despite him requesting a trade a while ago now, It's still pretty unreasonable. I mean, I'd be willing to give up, and I've said this, I'd be willing to give up just about anybody not named Anthony Volpe, but I have to imagine that Volpe is one of, if not the very first name, (laughs) being brought up in a trade package for Brian Reynolds. And if it were Volpe and then some, I mean, listen, I don't believe in prospect hugging, especially when the Yankees are are in a win-now mode particularly with the ages that a lot of our stars happen to be in, in or around their 30s. But I don't know. There is a line that I would draw eventually, especially when Volpe's name is involved. So, but listen, I would love Reynolds as much as the next guy. I really, really would. I know it would take an ungodly amount to get him. And who knows? Maybe that is what the Yankees are trying to cook up that we've heard so much about. Maybe it's not. Maybe it could be something entirely different. But Reynolds to the Yankees would just be phenomenal. I've said it before, a switch hitter, great fielder, puts the bat on the ball, would fit greatly here. I mean, he would fit terrifically into the Yankees. It would make so much sense for him to be here. Especially, again, in light of him requesting a trade from Pittsburgh. But, especially with, apparently, what the Pirates are asking for, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't happen. And also, another name... That's being mentioned that I just want less than nothing, let alone nothing, to do with. And that is Max Kepler on the Twins. And if you want a very quick description of more or less of what Max Kepler is like, if I can maybe make a quick comparison for you to paint a picture, I would say that he is another Aaron Hicks. He's just not good offensively. No matter how much... People with advanced stats want to come at you with certain things. I just, I want nothing to do with him. If you look at a lot of just the regular stats, on-base percentage, slugging, OPS, OPS+, WRC+, maybe even some people want to look at batting average or home runs, RBIs. Take your pick. It's not impressive at all. And people are said to be getting prepared to be putting a trade package together for him and maybe even a package for Luis Arise with the Twins too, who obviously won the batting title for the American League, just a few points over Judge for the Judge was attempting to get the triple crown, but just fell short of it with the batting average points by a few points. 
And yeah, I think Arise would make a good fit here as well, especially when it comes to the outfield. But I I don't want anything to do with Max Kepler, dude. I don't want anything to do with him. It's literally another Aaron Hicks. That's literally what it is. That's the best description I could put together for you. Now, I don't know if the Yankees are looking into Luis Arise at all. I know he's had some time in left field here and there, but the good thing about Arise is that he's very versatile. I mean, you look at this, he's played second base, left field, just the outfield overall, third base, shortstop. He's DH'd a ton. And this year, he even had some time at first base. So he basically has experience at every infield position and more or less every outfield position. More or less. So the versatility is good. He puts the bat on the ball more than almost anybody. I mean, he just won the batting title. Duh. So that'd be a pretty good option, even though, you know, he's played a lot of everywhere. So not a definitive left fielder, but of course, if he he were with the Yankees, he could be used in other spots if injuries happen or somebody needs a day off or what have you. So he'd be valuable with that too, no doubt. But he'd be more or less playing left field because that's really the main position they need filling with. But... When it comes to Max Kepler, I want nothing to do with him. This is not a good player, people. And I'll tell you firsthand that if this ends up being their outfield solution, I'm not going to be happy. The Yankees have plenty of dead weight already that they need to get rid of in Hicks and Donaldson. They don't need another piece of dead weight. And that is exactly what Max Kepler would be. I mean, I even... I already know more or less what he's about, but a couple of days ago, I even took it upon myself to get up his his stats pages. I I just, I don't want any of it. I don't. He peaked in 2019 when he hit 36 home runs and 90 RBIs, 252 average, 336 on base, 519 slugging, 855 OPS, and an OPS plus and WRC plus around 120, give or take. That was his peak. The last two years offensively, he has been below average, especially last year, pretty well below average as a player, especially offensively. Last year, he had nine home runs and 43 RBIs, 227 average, 318 on base, 348 slugging, and OPS of 666. And by the way, 666 on an OPS, if there's any sign of not to take a player, you want it to be that or not? I mean, come on. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But... I mean, who do those stats sound like to you guys? Who does that sound like? Does it not sound like Aaron Hicks exactly as I said? Did we not learn from getting Aaron Hicks to the Twins that we should not take outfielders like this from them? Have we not learned our lesson? (laughs) Do not trade for Max Kepler. I'm begging the Yankees not to do it. Don't do it. The guy... I mean, they talk about one a guy who puts the bat on the ball. I mean, look at his batting average. I mean, I know a lot of people don't value batting average, but I mean, it, it does tell a bit of the story when you look at the rest of the stats, too, and the rest of the, the stats suck, too. I mean, it's just another indication of of how bad he is. WRC+, plus, OPS+, plus, well under 100 last year. I don't know. I, I don't like it. I really, really don't like it. And yeah, defense does mean a lot to me, of course. But we're also looking for a guy who can decently contribute, at least decently contribute, I should say, offensively as well. Because again, the Yankees offensively particularly is where they need improvements. 
and they need a different mix of things in that lineup so that they don't get embarrassed anymore. So Max Kepler is not the answer, people. He's not the answer. Not at all. I'd much prefer a Luis Arise than him when it comes to grabbing certain guys from the Twins. But if the Twins are hoping to compete at all, I guess, um, then I would say that they would want to hold on to Arise because he's a valuable piece for them. Puts the bat on the ball, really solid hitter. And while he's more known to play the infield positions, could grab an outfield position as well, like I said, very versatile. He's a great player. So if they want to compete then they're going to hold on to him. I mean, if you look at what the Twins just did, if you want to talk about another outfield option, except he's not, he should not even slightly be considered another option. Thank God he's not anymore officially. But the Twins even just signed Joey Gallo. All right? So this is how much they're looking to probably get rid of Max Kepler, if that gives you any perspective. They just got Joey Gallo. Okay? Okay? Don't touch Matt Kepler with a 20-foot pole if you are the New York Yankees. Stay away from this guy. Don't get him. He will end up being another piece of dead weight. And if I end up being wrong about that, I'll be the first one to say it. Again, been wrong before, but I've also been right about plenty. And I'm pretty confident in saying that this would be a player that would aggravate the hell out of most Yankee fans. I'm confident in saying that. And if you don't believe me yourself, then go for yourself and look at his stats. Just go look. Particularly his offensive stats, I should say. Just, I'm not down for it. Not at all. So I want nothing to do with Max Kepler. I want to get that on record as much as I can. Now, when it comes to more obvious outfield names, the main one that we were thinking about A lot of people have been saying Reynolds and this other name. I've saved him for last, best for last, because I wanted to go in on him a little bit. But the other name, obviously, that we've been waiting on, maybe speculating that the Yankees were taking their time with him, waiting to see what his market was, maybe similarly to what they did with Rodon, and uh, seeing what he wanted to do. Especially after Rodon was decided, maybe maybe he was their next target. There were signs that the Yankees would have liked for him to come back. And the man I speak of, of course, is Andrew Benintendi. And news also broke a couple of days ago this past week that Andrew Benintendi is another one that you could scratch off the list of available outfielders. He ain't coming back, guys. He signed a five-year, $75 million contract with the Chicago White Sox. And I was pretty bummed to hear this, especially hearing that the White Sox only got him for about $15 million per. I thought that whatever team was going to sign him was going to get him for anywhere from maybe to like 18 to 20 or $22 million per year. 15 I got to say, it's a bit less than I thought. The years I thought would be around 4 or 5 I'm not surprised about that, but I expected it to be a bit more annually. I mean, a little bit more than 15 maybe. So... I was a bit surprised by that, and maybe the Yankees offered something similar. Maybe they didn't. And I don't know about you, but I had been seeing a lot of things on Twitter. I don't know if there's just people speculating and throwing crap around, or if this was actually true and coming from insiders. I'm not really sure. But the thing is, I've heard from some people that Benintendi wasn't necessarily a big fan of New York in general. Just, just New York. Lifestyle, you know, living here, playing here. I just wasn't 
that big a fan of it. Just New York itself, maybe. So if that's the case, if he didn't like New York very much, and if that is in fact true, and don't take my word 100% for it, I'm just going based off of what I heard, but if that is in fact true, then your solution to that is going to South Chicago? It's kind of baffling. (laughs) It's kind of weird. I don't know. doesn't really make much logical sense to me, considering that South Chicago should be just about one of the last places in the country that anybody should want to be tied to. But hey, you do you, Benny. It is your life. It was your decision to sign there. If that really is what played a factor in not returning here, and then in the same breath you go to a place like South Chicago, then that is fully your choice. No matter how little sense it makes, then fine. I'm not going to turn on you and be like, hey, whatever, see you later, never wanted you anyway. I'm not going to lie. I've said many times I wanted Ben Benintendi to return. So I'm not going to turn on him on a dime like that and make believe everything I said the last few weeks wasn't true. I stick to it. I wanted him to come back. I would have been fine with him coming back. I also would love Brian Reynolds to be here. <laughs> but Ben Benintendi I would have been okay with. So I'm not going to turn on you like that, but I'm just saying if that really was what played a factor in it, not liking New York overall, then uh, South Chicago is an odd alternative. (laughs) I think it's safe to say that. (sighs) So Ben Intendi, off the board. Congrats to the White Sox on getting him. I'm bummed out because I liked him as a player. Didn't have too much playing time here, especially in light of his wrist injury, and that is a risk when it comes to signing him as well. So if he's not that healthy going into next year, which he should be because he apparently wasn't too far off from coming back from when the Yankees were eliminated, so he should be fine for spring training, I would imagine. But obviously that is still a bit of a risk. Uh, Anytime a guy has ended the prior season with what was considered to be a pretty bad injury, But when it comes to how he was as a player specifically, especially considering before he got hurt for a while leading up to it, he had heated up and really started to take to this town, I believe. He was playing very well, and he was starting to play as the guy that I knew he could. Uh, The White Sox picked up a good player if they could have him pick up from there. But uh, he also continues to age, obviously, and people are talking about how some of his stats are due to regress. It's fine. It's never a guarantee till we actually see it. You could throw your expected stats and whatever you want at people as much as you want, but fact of the matter is, it's tough to use expected stats as a legitimate argument considering they haven't legitimately happened or not happened yet. That's why they're called expected stats. (laughs) So, it's a hard argument to use. But you can go off of the past and talk about how much of a risk injury-wise he might be, especially with the wrist injury he finished off with, but... When it comes to the kind of player if he, he is, if he's if he's anywhere close to the kind of player he was in Kansas City with the White Sox, then it's going to work out nicely for them. He's going to end up being a good fit there. And I'll be sad that he's gone, but who knows? Maybe I won't be too sad when I see what the Yankees end up deciding when it comes to their left field ultimately. But uh, Or I might be even more pissed off if it's somebody who's not as good as Ben Benintendi or if it's just a bad option. Like, I'll be extremely pissed if it ends up being Max Kepler. <laughs> I'll just be honest. But Benintendi is another name off the board. So as I've said with a lot of the names said in past weeks that I've already said have signed elsewhere, you could now add Benintendi to the list of those names now off the board. And we now have less and less names to choose from. Like I said before, even with just today, with Brantley coming off the market now. Now you just have guys like Conforto mainly being spoken about. And you have some people still bringing up Ian Happ. 
You have some kids being mentioned from Arizona. I believe we mentioned that a little bit in our social media segment last week with someone mentioning them. Of course, the Brian Reynolds conversation is still out there. And then there's this Max Kepler talk that has now surfaced, which I want nothing to do with. So fact of the matter is left field, the one area, one of the couple of areas left that I feel the Yankees really need to address. That's the deal there. When it comes to infield options, now, this is another area where more options have flown off the board. I mentioned one of them just before, Dansby Swanson. He was just reported a couple of days ago that he has signed a seven-year, $177 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. So, that's why I was mentioning before that they may not want to trade away an Ian Happ at least as of right now, maybe if they're completely out of contention come the trade deadline, maybe we could entertain that again because the trade deadlines is where a lot of the Ian Happ discussion the last year or two has heated up mainly. But as of right now, as of where we are at this moment in the 2022 offseason heading into 2023, they might not want to get rid of an Ian Happ because they're making signings like this in hopes of hopefully putting together some, I don't know, half-decent season, I guess. So they might want to try to take at least half a run at this thing. I don't know. I don't think they're actually going to when push comes to shove. I'm just saying that that might be their logic. So Dansby Swanson off the board now as an infield option. I'm personally a big fan of Dansby. And although I didn't see him coming here, it was a nice thought to fantasize about. And the big one, this is the big one that everyone was just like, Holy crap! There you go. Right on cue as always, Frank Barone. But yeah, this one... This had my jaw on the ground. The main other name that people were mentioning after the prior names for infield options dropped off was Carlos Correa. And Correa had been being spoken about in the Yankee community for a long time, as we know, going back to last winter when they passed up on him because they were anticipating on signing Judge, which of course they did. And they're just putting an unbelievable amount of faith in guys like Peraza and Volpe, which I have spoken about the kind of pressure that puts on them. We'll get to that in a future week if you want to talk about that again, but I have weighed how unfair of an amount of pressure it puts on them as well, passing up on guys like Correa and in the past like Seager and now even with Correa again and guys like Swanson and so many other names that have been out there for infield options. But this past week it was announced Last winter was a bit underwhelming because we saw him sign a very short deal, but with a high AAV, annual average, with those Minnesota Twins. And apparently the Twins were in on the hunt for him again this time, but apparently nowhere near this kind of a contract. (laughs) It turns out that the San Francisco Giants, now this is the team that failed to sign Judge and failed to bring Rodon back. Well, they made their splash here. Carlos Correa. They signed him to a 13-year, $350 million contract. Holy crap! Yeah, I'd definitely say that's worth a second holy crap, for sure. I mean, my God, 13 years. I think it's safe to say that this is where he's spending the rest of his career. I mean, the AAV isn't even $30 million, so it's not a complete disaster in that sense, but the 13 years, my God in heaven, that is a commitment. <laughs> I mean, Correa is heading up to 30 now. You're talking about him being past 40 when this is done. 
And I don't know if they're planning on front-loading this contract at all, but, I mean, this is its a big commitment. So he's to the Giants now, and another infield option off the board. And the Yankees have missed their official chance to take a crack at Correa if they were ever even truly interested. There was some word that, that they were talking to him, but he's off the board now. And what's even stranger, by the way, is who he was also rumored with. Right before this signing was announced, the main team that he was actually being rumored with, I mean, it's not strange in the sense of what he's been doing this offseason, but just kind of out of nowhere and then how it just didn't happen. He was being rumored with the Mets. It was being spoken about that he would sign with the Mets and be moved to third base. Francisco Lindor apparently really wanted them to look into him. And it really seemed like he was headed there. And I wouldn't put it past Steve Cohen. They're talking about that third luxury tax threshold now that the Yankees could even make their way towards, depending on what they do going forward. They were referring to it as the Steve Cohen threshold, which he has long since surpassed. And we have spoken about before and after the luxury tax for the Mets now, what they will be paying for this upcoming season. We spoke about it last week. And it's a lot. <laughs> and it would have gone even higher if they made this Carlos Correa move. But out of nowhere, it really did feel like, and if you were really keeping track on Twitter or wherever about how the Correa sweepstakes were going on the night that this was announced with the Giants, it really sounded like that he was going to be a Met. It really did. And then, I don't know how much time went by. I think I was doing a workout while it was announced. So I wasn't really keeping track of time that closely, but I mean, it was announced not long after, out of nowhere, 13 years, 350 with the Giants, like holy mother of God, so with that giant contract being announced, pun intended again, Carlos Correa to the Giants, so again, a couple of more infielders off the board as well, so you got outfielders continuing to come off the board and infielders continuing to come off the board. We are running out of names a bit here as the Yankees still look to plug these holes. So those are two things, infield, outfield, and the last thing, the third thing being offloading both of, or at least one of, Aaron Hicks and Donaldson. Maybe to just make some payroll room as well. And also to not have to worry about them playing and bringing this team down being the dead weight that they are. Now, the Yankees will tell you that they continue to believe that Josh Donaldson will resurge somehow next year. It's crap. It's just crap. I don't believe in the guy. I just don't. I think he'll continue to be just all bark and no bite, and we're going to have to suffer watching him. He'll still make his plays at third base, probably defensively, if he's still, in fact, around. Um... But with the bat, I don't really see how you come back from a season like the one that he just had. He played the vast majority of it healthy. Injuries weren't a concern like it has been for him in the past. He just sucked. There's really not much more to it. And he was still a loudmouth while doing it. So, they still got work to do. I'm ecstatic again about the Rodon signing, but there's still more to be done. Those are the main three things, and like I said, if at least two of these three things is done, then I would say I give this offseason an A, at least, because a vast majority of the other things on the wish list have been accomplished, but offensively, the people who say that this is more or less the same team as last year, they got a point. They got a point. 
they need to mix mix things up with this lineup a little bit and make the necessary additions and plug the holes that need plugging. Needs to happen. This has undeniably been a very good offseason for the Yankees so far. Very good. So far. But those two words are the key words. So far. Because there's more to do. But bringing in a guy like Max Kepler is going to bring it down. There are still things that could be done here that could worsen the offseason. So that's why I'm saying so far. So far, they have done what needs to be done, and they deserve credit for it. I've given them credit, and they deserve credit from the entire fan base. It's been very good so far, but there's more to do. Pieces of dead weight, left side of the infield mainly, left field. Those are the main things that still need addressing in a big way. Big way. And again, kind of similarly to uh, last week's social media question. Very similarly, I would say, especially in the sense that we do have another social media question for this week, just an open-ended question. This week's, for this show, is after having signed Rizzo, Judge, and Rodon now, what else remains on your off-season wish list that you would like to see the Yankees do? Very similar again to last week's question. I believe last week's question was something along the lines of, what else would you like to see happen after the Yankees have signed Judge? Obviously, since then, Rodon has been signed. And also since then, a lot of the names that people may have mentioned last week have since dropped off the list of options. They have already signed or been traded elsewhere. So... I would definitely say it was safe to ask a very similar question yet again for this week because in this past week alone, a lot has changed. So that is the question, and I basically just spent an entire show, or at least most of it up to this point, talking about what I would like to see or what I wouldn't like to see. So let's just get straight into your thoughts. What do you guys think? Up first, we will start with at HBulldog78 saying, I wish for Reynolds in left field, Drury on a two-year deal at third base, DJ LeMahieu at second base, Hendricks in a trade, a bullpen piece, and Peraza at shortstop. Trade away Glaber, Hicks, and Donaldson. Well, I don't think that it's possible that Hicks and Donaldson go together, or they both go, even if it's in separate deals and if they happen to eat most of or all of their contracts. Like as much as I fantasized about that happening, as much I would love as I would love to see that happen, and as much as it needs to happen, to be quite frank. Um, it's just not going to happen with both of them. I've tried to start accepting this as unhappy as it makes me. I just don't see the Yankees getting rid of both of them. If they do, you better get ready for the party that's going to ensue on this podcast. But, I don't know, it's just, it's doubtful. Glaber, I've said before that I would not be destroyed if he left. Or if he was traded away, rather. And I would also not be upset if he were back, especially given the injury risk and DJ's status being sort of up in the air. I wouldn't be completely upset if he stayed. I mean, yeah, he goes through his streaks that just irritate the living hell out of me. When he goes cold, he is, he's Antarctica cold. It's crazy. And he makes his incredibly frustrating mental mistakes in the field as well. And he's, he can be a very frustrating player. Overall, though, when you look at a second baseman's stats, it's not really a fact of argument. It's true. It's He did not have bad numbers on the whole. 
when it came to last season and for a second baseman's production. Not bad. And his defense for most of the time out was good. It was really good. And I've said this about Glaber, but there's been a part of me, especially with his mental mistakes and how streaky he is, that has also had enough of him in a lot of ways. So that's why I'm kind of in the middle on him. And I'm, I'm in a weird place with Glaber. Like after 2021, I was like, all right, get rid of him. I've had enough. But then in 2022, especially in the first half, when he was looking like he could be a comeback player of the year candidate before he hit his middle of the year, incredible, remarkable slump. I mean, then I was like, all right, maybe he's resurging. Okay. And then, you know, second half happened where for the vast majority of the time, he was really bad. September, he rebounded a bit. The defense stayed solid for most of the year. And now I'm in a weird sort of a middle place with him, especially in light of DJ being iffy. And I don't know. So I'm, like I said, if it means getting somebody really good back in a trade, then I'd be okay with him going. But I also wouldn't be infuriated if he stayed. So again, I'm just in a bit of a weird middle place with Glaber right now. When it comes to Hicks and Donaldson, yeah. I mean, listen, you'd have to eat most of or all of their money, which especially when it comes to both of them, I'm not really sure if the Yankees would be willing to do that with both. Um, but anything it takes to blast them into the sun, man, I am for. Reynolds in left field, yeah, that's a desire of mine. I think he'd just make a great fit here. I really, really do. Drury's interesting because he's been here before, but it was very short-lived. <laughs> and uh, DJ at second base, I mean, yeah, he's kind of up in the air right now. But, I mean, you did say trade away Glaber. So if Glaber were gone, he'd mainly be your second baseman. Or you'd have to see how they handle things with Volpe because you've heard reports of them saying that they really would like to see Peraza and Volpe up the middle. So where does that leave DJ? And especially if Donaldson's still around and they're hell-bent on playing him. It's kind of complicated. That's what an infield logjam does to you. And you have more players than you can handle. It's a good problem to have because you have a lot of guys that could step in whenever you need. But it could also hinder the progress of putting someone in there that really deserves to be there. It could be a problem. So uh, DJ's kind of up in the air. Hendricks, I gave up on that a long time ago. And Peraza, it's looking like they're going to stick with him unless they include him in a trade package for somebody else as well for this potentially big thing that they might that they might be cooking up that we've heard a lot about. But... Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a lot left for you. You want him to figure out the left side of the infield and the outfield, like I said. You're even mentioning second base and getting rid of the dead weight. I think that's a lot of what a lot of people are feeling. At 8Shot1983 saying, give Donaldson a seven-year extension. You are just a regular riot, aren't you? <laughs> Got freaking comedians out here. At Tony2Bet saying, get a left fielder, period. Amen to that. <laughs> At Mad Brad 61 says, we need another left-handed bat, preferably a left fielder. Well, a lot of the left fielders that are being mentioned, many of them are left-handed bats. Some of them, even like uh, Ian Happ, who a lot of people are mentioning, and Brian Reynolds, some of them like them, are even switch hitters, so that would work as well. Um... But yeah, many of them are left-handed hitters as well because uh, like Michael Brantley before coming off the market today, he's left-handed. Michael Conforto's left-handed. And as much as I can't stand him and don't want him here, even Max Kepler's left-handed. So <laughs> a lot of the options, if not all of them, are left-handed <laughs> when you really think about it. Or at least left-handed if they're not switch hitters. So 
Yeah, I mean, if you get the left fielder that you want, more than likely it's going to be checking both of those boxes because it's likely going to be a left-handed hitter too. <laughs> At 1968, Flying says a great hitting left fielder would be nice. Yeah, it definitely would be. Because you don't want, you of course want a good defender. But what you're also looking for, especially with the offensive concerns for the Yankees and that they haven't really done anything to improve that aspect yet, you definitely want someone who's going to contribute offensively too. So, obviously, yeah, definitely want a great hitting left fielder. And I think a Brian Reynolds would do it. Maybe even taking a chance on Conforto. Maybe Conforto would surprise a lot of people. Who knows? But I see him possibly going back to the Mets. I don't know. I think the Mets would take another shot on him. He's only ever been a Met. And I know a lot of Met fans who really like him and would definitely take another shot on him. So... I don't know, but he could potentially be an option, and maybe, it, it, listen, there's a chance that he could really do good things with the bat, especially with the right field short porch being a lefty. I think he would take some good advantage of that. So, at the Bambino, babe, said a warm body to play left field. Yeah, listen, left field is a big concern for people. Because while the left side of the infield mainly is two, they do have people set to play there. Like I've said, even... If it's not people that I necessarily like, they do have a plethora of options to play in the infield. So they don't necessarily need bodies for that. They need capable bodies for that. <laughs> like Josh Donaldson to me is not a capable body. I'd prefer a better option for third base and figuring out who's playing shortstop, whether it be Peraza, Volpe, or somebody else. But for left field, they actually need a left fielder. They don't have a left fielder, not one that's half decent at least. You're not sticking Hicks back out there. I pray to God not. So they need a left fielder. That's probably their biggest concern at this point now with Rizzo, Judge, and Rodon being done with. And just being able to not have to think about them as we head into the new year. Left field is probably, I would say, the biggest concern then I'd say it's the left side of the infield. And then after that, if you want to add one more bullpen arm, if you want, I guess, and go right ahead. But right now it's left field, as everybody is voicing. At Yankees Vision says, should swap Glaber and Schmidt for a rise to replace the lefty contact bat of Benintendi. Then send, then either send a prospect haul to Pittsburgh for Brian Reynolds or sign Conforto. Worst case, package Kepler into the arise deal. Like I said, I'd be down for a rise, but not if it's going to also bring Kepler over. I don't want anything to do with Max Kepler. <laughs> I just don't. I am adamantly against getting him. I don't want the Yankees touching this guy with a 50-foot pole. It is another Aaron Hicks waiting to happen. I just don't want anything to do with it. I really don't. Offensively, statistically, it is another Aaron Hicks people in some ways maybe even worse I don't know because at least if you want to use the walk argument like oh Aaron Hicks works walks then you could use that I guess but it's just I don't want anything to do with it I really really don't so even if it does result in Luisa Rise coming here I don't know I'm just I'm not down for it I'm just not. And I'm certainly down for getting a rise as far as replacing a lefty contact bat with Benintendi because that's valid. But is Glaber and Schmidt going to be enough? 
because Glaber's trade value, I have to imagine, is at least decent again after it was just awful after 2020 and 2021, probably. But Glaber and Schmidt, is, is that enough for a rise? I don't, I don't really know. But uh, a prospect haul to Pittsburgh, easier said than done, man, because they're probably going to ask for all of them. <laughs> like I've said, and like a lot of people have said and speculated, it seems like their asking price for him is just unreasonable. And I want Brian Reynolds here as much as the next guy. I think he would be the best outfield fit of anybody. I've said that for a long time now. And I really like Benintendi. I wouldn't have minded if he came back, but he is with the White Sox now and for a good amount of years now, so he's not an option. Brian Reynolds, to me, is the best one out there, and he makes so much sense for the Yankees, but how much are they asking for, and would the Yankees be willing to pull the trigger? Would you be willing to give away Anthony Volpe and Peraza and or Dominguez and or a Pereira, like, like, and then some on top of Volpe and maybe even another top prospect? Because that's probably along the lines of what they're asking for. Despite, again, Reynolds having requested a trade. That doesn't seem to mean much to the Pirates. They still seem to be requesting an ungodly haul for him. So, I don't know. So, as far as that, as much as I would love to see Reynolds come here, you got to check the package because there is there would be such a thing as giving a bit too much. And while I'd be for a rise, I think he's a solid, versatile player with a great contact bat, which the Yankees have said they're interested in getting. Um... It would have to be just him because I I'd want nothing to do with Max Kepler. Nothing. At Zalman888 says, Left field, sign Corey Dixon or trade for Ian Happ. Uh, Corey Dickerson, he's all right. He's good. Um, Didn't have a great year this year, and 2021 was fine. But I don't know. He doesn't... He doesn't move the needle for me, like, unbelievably. The last really good season he had, in my opinion, was 2019. And you're talking about a few years ago at this point, believe it or not. I know how fast time flies. Um, but I would have rathered him earlier in his career. Because I think now he's he, he's he's solid now. He's good. I wouldn't have a problem if they got him. But it's just... Even if the package is unreasonable, it's just hard for me to think more highly of anybody than I do of Brian Reynolds. It's just tough. And Dickerson's also much older than these guys. Dickerson is, I believe he's going into his age 33 season. That's just off the top of my head. I'm just taking a shot in the dark. Let me see if I actually got that right. He's 33. I nailed it. I'm the best. And also the worst. But anyway, yeah, in May he'll be 34. So, listen, he's not a bad player, but he's not a great player either. But um, I'd certainly take him over Max Kepler. I don't think there's any doubt about it. <laughs> oh, my God. And trading for Ian Happ, I would love that, too. I would love that. But I just, after signing Swanson, at least until the deadline, if they're just not competing whatsoever by then in the 2023 season, I, I don't see them getting rid of Happ by now. I, like, at this point in time. I don't know. At Rebirth Chaos 09 says, get another bat. We need more balance to the lineup. I don't like the all or nothing approach. The lineup needs to be balanced to help out Judge. Yeah, you're right. And that's the kind of thing that the Yankees have preached too. And getting a Reynolds or, you know, even for the contact factor, getting an Arise would, would help that out. It would, but I mean, Reynolds is the one that I keep looking at, man. I want him so bad. 
<laughs> I'd be willing to trade anybody, literally anybody not named Volpe in there. Like, any prospects. Like, just here, have them. Because it just makes too much sense. It really, really does. I would love him so much on the Yankees. Just a solid fit in the outfield and just a solid hitter as well, being a switch hitter in Yankee Stadium, putting the bat on the ball. He's got so many years of team control left, which also inevitably drives up the price unbelievably. Still so young. It just, oh my God, it would be so good. It would be so good. The sad part is I say damn because it's probably not happening. But my God, I'd be happy if it did. Depending on who the Yankees gave away. But And again, that's another person that they could potentially be passing up on uh, for Volpe and or Peraza's sake or any other names. And again, that's just another factor to add to the conversation of adding that kind of pressure on these kids to perform when when it's time for them to. At peace now for life, my friend Rebecca says, Hi Mike, happy holidays. You too, Rebecca. The Yankees have had a great offseason so far. Remaining, I'd like to see left field addressed possibly through a trade, get rid of Donaldson and Hicks, and another solid bullpen pitcher. Then, they should be ready for a World Series run. Yeah, that bullpen arm is definitely something that I see a lot of other people mentioning as well, like I've said. But, left field the dead weight, and the left side of the infield have got to be bigger concerns right now, especially left field. Those are the bigger concerns. If at the end of it you want to try to add another bullpen piece alongside Canely, then give it a shot. But it's not a necessary need, especially adding a solid after adding another solid arm like Carlos Rodon. So, yeah, I, I agree with all of it. Left fielder through a trade would be ideal. Obviously, Reynolds is my main piece. I hope it's not a Kepler. I'm just going to keep saying that because I've seen that far too much lately and people are talking about the trade rumors with him heating up and I'm just having my hands together in prayer. Just please, God, let it not be the Yankees, please. (laughs) So, and obviously the pieces of dead weight, Hicks and Donaldson, you will get no disagreement here. At RR2577 says, Need another significantly above league average consistent bat in the lineup like Reynolds. There is zero difference between last year's lineup that went dead for two months and disappeared in the playoffs and the current hitting situation. You're one of those people I spoke about before. And the sad part is, is you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So that when figuring out the left side of the infield and figuring out left field, these are things that they have to consider when looking to improve. And again, I'll say it, I want Oswaldo Cabrera's bat in that lineup again somehow, even if they got to shift him into the infield somewhere, but he should not be playing left field every day, guys. I'm tired of playing guys out of position every single day. It's just not a smart strategy, especially come the playoffs. It will get exposed like it has for the Yankees every single year with the multiple guys that they've done this with. It's a bad habit that it's time to break out of. Get a left fielder that is an outfielder first. I feel like I got to spell it out at this point. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Up next is at NYY Sports Fan 96 saying one left fielder, two trade Hicks and Donaldson, three bullpen arm, four trade Litke because he's out of options, and five give Peraza the start at shortstop. Well, left field, absolutely. Trading Hicks and Donaldson, again, you will get no argument from me other than the fact of 
paying attention to realism and really seeing how unlikely that scenario is in reality. But I certainly would love it. Bullpen arm, yeah, if you want to add, fine. But it shouldn't be the top priority right now. Left field and the left side of the infield are definitely more important as far as I'm concerned. Figuring out who's playing where and what your plan is. Now, Lucas Lickie. That's interesting. Because I've seen a lot of people really just want to dump him off as soon as possible. The thing about him, though, we didn't really see him much at all there towards the end of 2022, the very later part, and into the playoffs. But he may have started out the season in a horrible way. The beginning of 2022, you may remember with Litke, it was bad. He started out very badly. But then after that, he started to look like the reliable lefty out of the bullpen that we saw for much of 2021. And he ended up finishing the season with a 267 ERA. Now, I understand not having options left, but that being the only reason for getting rid of somebody, if he's still going to be that effective for your bullpen, I also get that he's aging. He's 35 years old. I understand that aspect too, if you want to use that argument. But his numbers are still pretty good. Like, I don't know. 267 ERA, still pitching in 50 games. I'd hold on to him. I think he could still help in the bullpen. It's good to have those kind of lefty arms out there. He, of course, has his clunkers, as does everybody, but I appreciated how hard he bounced back after his rough start. So, and give Peraza the start at shortstop. It's starting to look like you have to. And if the Yankees want to live up to having him and Volpe up in the middle infield, then that's what will happen. And I said I wouldn't have a problem with Oswald getting his fair shot. I think he deserves it. I would much would I much rather have a proven infielder who's a proven star? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would, obviously. But especially where we are now and for the basic fact that I do believe this kid deserves a shot, if he's what you're left with then give him a shot. Yeah. Give him and Volpe a shot when Volpe's ready to go at some point this year, but Peraza's ready now. He's ready now. I mean, they had to put him into some playoff games considering how much of a failure IKF ended up being ultimately, which we all saw at many points throughout the season, but the Yankees just wouldn't listen and kept on putting out this BS that he was a top defender in the league. Boy, did that get exposed in the end, even more so. Good Lord. At NYYNick732 says, one, make Peraza's starting shortstop, all right? So another one there. Number two, trade J.D. and Hicks at least one. Three, Ian Happ. Four, trade Glaber, possibly in a deal for Ian Happ. And five, give Volpe a shot at playing second base to start the season if Glaber is gone. Well, yeah, Peraza, like I said, deserves a shot. Josh Donaldson and or Hicks, <laughs> no argument here. Like I said, both is, at le- is pretty unlikely, so I like how you said at least one. Likely going to be Hicks, if anything, because while he does have more years, it's less money per. So, I mean, overall, it's still more money. But uh, it's just going to be tough because nobody wants them. Who the hell would want them? And then three, Ian Happ. I'd love it, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I really don't think so. And trade Glaber possibly in that, like I said, in a weird middle place with Glaber. But if it were for someone who would be a legitimate upgrade and would really help the team... Depending on the deal, I might be for it. And uh, number five, Volpe is starting second baseman. He could end up being the shortstop. I don't know. We'll have to see. That It's really up in the air at the infield. That's that's what I'm not that big a fan of. 
That's why I said I wouldn't have a problem going with a proven star, but... I don't know. Listen, it's probably going to end up being second base for him, especially if Peraza really does pan out there. If if he and or Volpe aren't dealt, I think it's much more of a chance of Peraza being dealt in a trade than Volpe. But, um, yeah, especially if Glaber's gone and DJ's still up in the air with his health, at least after a little bit, if he needs like about a month, and I'm sure the Yankees are going to want to manipulate his service time too, then, uh, yeah, give Volpe a shot there eventually. It's going to be an ungodly amount of pressure on him, though, as I've said. That's for sure. At BBQ Baseball 62 says, left field or third baseman? I'd love third baseman. Right now, it's seeming like Donaldson, as much as I freaking hate it. But uh, we'll see. And left field, yeah, obviously left field. At Sean 9966-0764 says, with Benny gone now, we need someone in the outfield. Josh Donaldson and Hicks need to go. Are we settled with a closer? As for Chapman, your thoughts. Uh, Chapman's gone, and I want nothing to do with him ever again. Never even want to hear his name mentioned around these parts. Uh, so that's taken care of. As far as a definitive closer, as good as it is to have one, I think the Yankees have multiple guys who could fulfill that role. They're probably going to try with a Clay Holmes or a Luizaga to give that a shot. Um, maybe even a Wandy Peralta at times, because there were times where Wandy Peralta saw some closing appearances. Maybe you see Michael King closing some games if he doesn't pitch multiple innings, which I think will be the role that he's back into. Ron Marinaccio should be coming back, so what's Ron going to be in? Maybe they'll have Ron Marinaccio close some games. I'm personally the biggest fan of Johnny Lowe. Love Jonathan Luizaga. That's my main man. He does have his injury problems, especially with his shoulder, so that's why it's a bit iffy to name him the official closer. That's just about the only thing preventing me from naming him the official closer, personally. But um, as far as closing options, they have a bunch of different guys that can do it. So while it's nice to have a definitive closer, I'm not really sure they need one because multiple guys can do it, I think. Um, As for Chapman, never again. Um, Outfield, of course. Josh Donaldson and Hicks, nothing that hasn't been mentioned a million times. Yes. Uh, Let's do maybe like three more. I don't know. At Ange Pat 7 says, Nothing. I'm happy with this roster. Get the job done. There's plenty of talent on the roster today. I can't agree with that. I can't. How could you say that? They need a better left fielder. They need a left fielder. They need to figure out what's going on with the left side of the infield. Who's playing short? Who's playing third? If not Donaldson. What are you doing about Glaber? DJ. IKF's back. Where's Oswaldo going to be? No, you need to figure things out. And maybe some of that's cleared up with a big trade that might be in the works. With this big thing that apparently they're cooking up. So, I don't know. They, they, they need a better left field. They need a left fielder. That definitely needs to be figured out. They need to figure out the left side of the infield particularly. And maybe even like some people have said, even though I don't view this as the top priority right now, definitely not. Adding another bullpen arm if you want. Now, the job's not done yet. I I cannot disagree more with that. They need to do more. Definitely. And it's fine that you feel that way, but I just don't agree. And the only argument that I need to say is that this is more or less the same team, maybe even a slightly worse with Benintendi not being around. Because we saw what Benintendi not being around did to the team I mean, the Yankees were without a definitive leadoff guy without him and DJ. Missing that contact bat was a big deal, that defense in left field. 
Um, so without him around and DJ being up in the air and whatnot, I would say it's arguably even slightly worse than last year. And this team got clapped at the end. So I don't know how you could possibly be okay with the way things are right now. There's some more work that needs to be done. I, I definitely would say that. Uh, right, let's do the final two. First up, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo. She says, I think that it's important for us to address left field, and then we need to make a decision on who is going to be our shortstop. I know right now it might sound like IKF, but we need to do better than that. Give Peraza the shot. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's between him and IKF, of course, give Peraza the shot, of course. Um, if IKF is to play, it's got to be as utility or a third baseman. Otherwise, he's just... He's just got to be on the bench. <laughs> he just spent $6 million on him, and that's an important bench or utility role. But, I mean, it's just what's best for the team. It's just plain and simple. And left field, of course. They need to figure that out. All right, last but certainly not least, as always, let's finish up with my amazing mother, Julia Gina Scudero. And she says, well, first off, I'm thrilled about Judge and now Rodon being signed with the Yankees. I am disappointed about Benintendi because I liked him in left field. I'm not sure who to put there now. I still feel that Peraza should be our shortstop. Third base, LeMayhew, if his toe ever decides to heal. If not, anyone but Donaldson. Bench that big mouth and eat the money. Amen. <laughs> as far as Benintendi not wanting to come back, sayonara, baby. Peace out. <laughs> yeah, that's the attitude a lot of people have said. It's funny because, you know, everybody likes him and then he signs elsewhere. Like, all right, bye. Who cares about you? <laughs> Listen, I, I get I get it's annoying and the decision doesn't make any sense if what I said before, based off of what I heard from other people, is true about him not really liking New York and then in the same breath decides to go to South Chicago. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, he'll be missed here as far as his ability, and he could have played a bit more, obviously, but his wrist thing happened, that sucked, especially because he had started to pick it up for a while leading up to that injury, as we said. Um, but yeah, Judge and Rodon getting done is phenomenal. Benintendi leaving is disappointing, you're right about that. Uh, left field, there's still some options, like people have thrown out there, and there are certainly other people you don't want to touch either, like I've also thrown out there, <laughs> very subtly. Um... But they definitely still got to figure it out in left field from all the names that we have put out there. And uh, Peraza being at shortstop, don't have an issue with that if he's not dealt. Yeah, that'll probably be what they have to do. I would hope at least. And the anybody but Donaldson. Yeah, that's a good slogan to go by for this Yankee offseason, I would say. Anybody but Donaldson. Even though if he's still around, he's probably going to play uh, because they value his gloves so damn much. They, for some reason, think he's going to resurge with the bat and look at the money he's making, so they're not going to sit him. Because then, God forbid, the Yankees waste that money and admit they were wrong with Brian Cashman badly allocating once again when it comes to Josh. So, good points all around, Mom, especially with Donaldson, obviously. And, yeah, Benintendi not being back, it sucks. I, I would have liked him back. I would have. But if he didn't like it here, then he didn't like it here. He's free to sign wherever he pleases. He was a free agent, so it was up to him. But that is all for the replies for today. And given that and everything that we spoke about today, after over an hour and 20 minutes again, because you just can't shut me up, that is all for episode 167 of Yapping Yankees today as well, my friends. But before I go, 
I not only want to thank each and every one of you, as always, for contributing to the show, whether it be listening, showing your love across every platform it's available on, or interacting on the social media segments. It does not matter. I appreciate you all the same. Whether you do one of those things, two of those things, or all of them, I appreciate you like I cannot put into words. I really can't. Just love you guys so much for all the support. And before I continue to wrap up here, I also wanted to thank you for sticking with me throughout all of 2022, guys. I feel the need to put an overall wrap on 2022 since this is the last episode of this year. Because the next time you hear from me will be on Sunday, January 8th, since I am again taking off next Sunday for Christmas Day and the following Sunday for New Year's Day. And then I'll be back at you on January 8th. We will see what's going on by then. What will have happened or not happened for the Yankees by then or throughout all of baseball? Because, you know, with all the names we've thrown out there, it's important to keep track of who's available and who's not available when it comes to the Yankees and potentially improving with the holes that they need to fill. So that's why I mainly talk about a lot of other Major League Baseball happenings in areas where the Yankees would benefit in investing in or looking into when it comes to improving their own team. But nonetheless, 2022 was a wild year, like all the years before that on Yapping Yankees. We've been doing this again, or I've been doing this, since May or June of 2019, end of May into the beginning part of June, and we have been going strong ever since as we head into 2023. It's crazy to think that this show is going for almost four years. We're heading up towards episode 170. It's just incomprehensible to me. It really is. And as much as I love doing this and love talking about the team I'm most passionate about in the world, being the New York Yankees, a part of me wouldn't be nearly as motivated to do this if it weren't for each and every one of you, given your constant love and support. And I could not appreciate you more for yet another awesome year of beyond fun Yankees interaction and discussion. I always love yapping with every single one of you. Whether you hopped on board with listening at the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or maybe even this is your first episode listening today. It's so fun. So another year, as Howie Rose likes to say for the Mets, in the books, put it in the books, I guess. Or I could channel some John Sterling too and be like, wow, another year. How do you like that? Almost four whole years of doing this podcast. Isn't that amazing? You just can't predict it, Susan. I could do that too. I could do whatever impression you want. All right, I think you've had enough of me for the night, and I think I've had enough of me too. So that is all for episode 167 of Yapping Yankees today, guys. Remember to follow me on all socials if you do not already. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter, at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is MikeScuds97. Be sure to also subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it is available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four of them. And if you've missed any past Yapping Yankees episodes that you would like to catch up on, well, episodes 34 up to 167 today are all on YouTube. And every single Yapping Yankees episode, including today's from episode 1 all the way up to 167 today, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And once again, and once more for the year 2022, 
I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you in the new year on Sunday, January 8th of 2023, when I come at you with episode 168 of Yapping Yankees to kick off 2023. And also a little fun fact for those who don't already know, but I will also be 26 by then because my birthday is right after New Year's on the 3rd. So you'll also have 26-year-old Mike Scudero coming at you the next time you hear from me, as opposed to 25-year-old Mike Scudero, which you've heard for almost the last full year now, so that's pretty cool. But until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, Go kick life's ass over the course of the next two weeks, not just this week, because I won't be talking to you until the 8th. So kick life's ass the next few weeks, my friends. Have yourselves a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and also do yourselves a favor and gear up for some more kick-ass Yankees content right here on Yapping Yankees for 2023. And once more, I thank each and every one of you so much for your support throughout 2022. And here's to another awesome year for Yapping Yankees and hopefully resulting in a damn title finally for our Yankees next year as well so we could finally end a season in celebration and not in anger and frustration. Doesn't that sound good? I think it does. So let's do ourselves a favor and end on that potential happy thought, huh? What do you say? Well, here's what I say. Once more to you, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I hope you are as excited as I am to yap more about our beloved Yankees, who definitely irritate the hell out of us a lot of the time, but we still love in the new year of 2023. Until then, guys, take care.